life, the universe, and everything. There's some things you need to know up front before listening to this episode, especially if you are new. This episode will be random and a little weird. Are you in? Good. Also, my name is Kate, and I have a horse named Winnie the Pooh. She's going to feature in this episode, so I figured I should introduce her now. I'm a trauma-informed counselor. I like working with women who want to feel sassy, sexy, and strong after surviving abusive or toxic relationships. I'm also a cycle-sinking personal trainer. So if you're a burned-out, stressed-out, want-to-throw-the-scale-out woman wishing and hoping to find a way to love your body and your life at the same fucking time, you're in the right place. Now, the final thing you'll need to know for this episode is that I am a geeky, huge fan of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. This episode is the 42nd episode of the Kick-Ass Life Project podcast, and if you are also a fan of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, then you also know that 42 is famously the answer to the ultimate question. The question being, what is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? Well, 42, clearly. But because of this, I have been putting a lot of pressure on myself to come up with epic answers to epic questions for this episode, or to somehow be extra hilarious, or to include every quote that has ever come out of the books or the movie. In the end, I may have to settle for knowing that I released it on a Thursday. See, Thursday is the day the main character in the books never could get the hang of. It must be a Thursday, he'd say. I never could get the hang of Thursdays. It's also the day the world ends in the movie, so you see, this is life-altering epic stuff. I put out a call on the socials and I asked for listener input. If you could know anything in the world, what would you want to know? I got one reply, and that person wanted to know how to not let other people's emotions affect you. Definitely worthy of the 42nd episode, so we are going to tackle that. But before we do, do you know where your towel is? I told you this was going to get weird and random. According to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, one must travel the galaxy without a towel at one's own peril. Towels feature heavily in the movie as a useless yet invaluable piece of luggage to have with you. For my brother's 42nd birthday, I made a list of ridiculous reasons that one should always know where their towel is, and if there is time at the end of this episode, I would love to read you that list. I am weirdly proud of it. But The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has slightly different reasons than mine. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy says that a towel is about the most massively useful thing an interstellar hitchhiker can have for reasons such as sailing a mini-raft down rivers or wetting it for use in hand-to-hand combat, even wrapping it around your head to avoid the gaze of the ravenous bug-bladder beast of Trawl, which is such a mind-bogglingly stupid animal, it assumes that if you can't see it, it can't see you, as you can see complete and total nonsense, which we all need in life. For the purposes of this podcast episode, 
I'm going to suggest that the reason you want to know where your towel is is that you might need it to dry your tears. I can't say whether those are going to be laughing tears or crying tears, but maybe a towel would be handy. You might want to use it to make your sitting surface more comfortable. You might want to wrap it around your hands to keep them warm as you are walking outside in the cold while listening. Or if you're on the beach listening, you'll obviously want the towel to prop up your phone while taking selfies. Towels, endlessly useful and yet useless. Grab your towel. Let's dive into solving the questions most pressing for the universe as we know it. And by the way, this also happens to be the last episode of 2022, so the epicness just continues right there. This is going to be a mishmash of answers to life, the universe, and everything, and perhaps I will throw in a few tips for making 2023 your most epic year ever. Gotta warn you though, if the time issue, if it comes down to giving you tips on making 2023 your most epic year ever, or reading you that list of reasons to keep a towel close by, the towel may win. We'll see. But let's start with how to stop letting other people's emotions affect you. I'm going to tell you, but you won't like it. That is a quote from Marvin, the manically depressed robot in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, by the way. The nutshell answer of how to stop letting other people's emotions affect you? You can't. Told you you wouldn't like it. But let's pretend for a moment that you can control how much they affect you. Or at the very least, how you react to their emotions affecting you. So let's start by normalizing that you can't. It is going to happen. We are human beings and that is what we're built to do. We are built to connect with each other emotionally. If we weren't able to take on other people's emotions, we wouldn't be able to feel better just by being with someone who feels calm and safe. But we can. And it doesn't even have to be a human. You've probably had the experience of feeling comforted when your pet hangs out with you. One of my fondest memories of this was with Miss Winnie the Pooh. I was going through a hard time and my then husband brought her up to the house and encouraged me to just stand with her. She was just there, breathing. Her horsey scent, the feel of her coat as I pet her, but mostly just her presence. Her calm, comforting nervous system in a relaxed, contented state somehow allowed me to breathe deeper and feel better. There is a moment in every dawn when light floats. There is the possibility of magic, and creation holds its breath. That Hitchhiker's Guide to the, Guide to the Galaxy quote feels like Winnie made me feel that day, if that makes any sense at all. It's like a flame being shared. The original flame is not diminished when it lights a second flame. When we have a regulated nervous system, we can affect other people's nervous systems in a zen-type way, and vice versa. So it makes perfect sense that other people's nervous systems, which are highly correlated to our emotions, would also affect us in ways that we don't like or want. It's how we're wired. If I had 42 ways to deal with this so that you aren't walking around as an emotion sponge, that would be pretty amazing, right? Epic. But to quote the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, don't panic. 
end quote. I really don't have time to give you 42, but I am going to give you my top three ideas. Number one, name the emotion. Even if it is your own emotional stuff you're dealing with, naming what you are feeling can take away some of its power. If it's someone else's emotion, naming it can still help, but it has the double benefit of helping you notice, is this mine or theirs? The more specific you can be about the emotion, the better. So practice this. And if you've never used an emotion wheel, I highly recommend starting. Just Google them up. They're pretty easy to find, an emotion wheel, and it will really help you pinpoint the exact emotion that you are feeling. Number two, learn how to ground yourself. What works for you in terms of calming yourself? A deep breath? Noticing one thing from each of your five senses, something you can see, something you can smell, something you can feel, something you can taste, something you can hear. Is that something that helps you feel calmer in tense moments? Just having that mindfulness moment. What about tensing and releasing your muscles? What about giving yourself a hug or tracing the fingers of one hand with your other hand? There are probably 42 more ways to ground yourself, but whatever way you prefer, there is a key component that most people don't hear about enough. Practice it before you need it. Grounding is not meant to be a use-in-case-of-emergency first aid kit that you keep behind the glass. In the same way older and wiser people tell us to wear the fancy outfit, drink the wine we've been saving for a special occasion, use the good china, we need to bring out the grounding exercises on the regular if we desire a more fulfilled life. Imagine a muscle that you didn't use suddenly being called into action for a huge task, like lifting a towel. How well is that muscle going to work for you? Grounding exercises can only do so much if we only resort to them when we're already overloaded. So you can literally give your nervous system the same advantage as muscle memory and muscle strength by practicing grounding exercises in calmer times. Now, I read somewhere, I'm pretty sure, that taking 30 to 60 seconds three times a day to practice grounding yourself or practice mindfulness even, has huge benefits. One of which is that your body knows what grounding is supposed to do, and it knows how to do it. Now, do not quote me on that exact stat of like 30 seconds three times a day or something, but you get the idea. Practice it in short little doses. Just remember to take a moment, take a breath, or whatever grounding technique works well for you, to just purposely find some calm in your body. Number three, boundaries. I think I should do a whole episode or 42 on boundaries. They create safety for everyone involved. For you, the person trying not to take on other people's emotions, they are essential. One of the reasons they're essential is that they limit your time with the people whose energy you don't want to take on. They also allow you to prioritize your rejuvenation time. If possible, you could try a phrase like this when you notice yourself face-to-face -face with someone who is disrupting your calm. 
Now this is going to sound very counselory, so I'm going to give you a a version I might use if I was talking to someone I care about afterwards, but this is the counselory version. What you are going through is important, but I do not have the bandwidth to fully support you with this right now. Perhaps we can talk and then insert whatever time you think might be better. Or you might want to say, perhaps I can refer you to someone who would be more helpful. So again, that's sort of the gist of it. It's a very counselory way of saying it, maybe. if Again, if I was going to say this to someone I care about, it might sound more like this. How important is it to you that we discuss this right now? Because I'm feeling worn down myself, and I would love to be able to talk to you about this when I'm in a better place to help. Obviously, make these things sound like you, but... This is setting boundaries for your own emotional health. It is okay to protect your own emotional health by saying, I'm not in a place that I feel like I can take this on right now. You can also offer up this other line that I'm about to give you when you are the one who is wanting to unload onto someone else. When you are the one struggling with something and you want to vent or talk to someone Here's a neat line that you can start with. Hey, are you in a place right now where I can vent without it bringing you down? I like to ask people this. Ask permission to unload in my deepest, darkest woes. Because it really models how you would like to be treated. It really respects the other person's emotional boundaries. So maybe those are some things you would like to try. Maybe that's um, resonating with you. If, however, you're not dealing with someone who is emotionally close to you or someone that you can't avoid, you can also try an imaginary visual boundary for yourself. Now, some people like to think of a glass wall where they can see the other person's emotions, but the energy can't penetrate. Personally, I use the visualization of a bubble. It just feels a little bit less rigid to me. It feels like I'm still more connected and willing to be with the person, but I'm still protecting myself. I'm inside the bubble, and like a glass wall, I can see and empathize with the person in front of me, but I'm also able to protect myself. I feel better able to allow in the energy that I want and block off the energy that I don't want. Now, visualizations like these may seem silly, but like the grounding exercises, they work better with practice. Your mind is a powerful thing. If it wasn't, we probably wouldn't be having these problems in the first place. So that's my top three tips. Bring awareness to the emotion by naming it. Learn to regulate your own nervous system through grounding exercises. And practice setting and upholding boundaries. Now, don't be surprised if at first you don't succeed. To bring things back to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with another quote, For a moment, nothing happened. Then after a second or so, nothing continued to happen. End quote. In other words, practicing and seeing results may take time. All three of these things, these tips that I gave you, they're going to work best if you work on them like you would if you were training a dog. Yes, I said like if you were training a dog. Start small in control settings, 
celebrate your successes, and then practice in lots of different scenarios and eventually with bigger emotions and energy. So if you think about if you had trained your dog to sit, but you had only practiced in your home with no distractions. And then if you go out to a busy park with other people and dogs bounding all around and you asked your dog to sit after he had gotten away from you and was running across the field, how successful do you suppose that endeavor would be? It'd be you yelling sit a lot and maybe some other words. So we want to start small in controlled settings, celebrate our small successes, and then practice in lots of different scenarios and eventually with bigger emotions and bigger energy. Hopefully you're seeing that correlation there. I tried to tie that up on a nice little bow that if we try to take these big things that we've been dealing with and just dive right into dealing with the big stuff without having the practice sessions, we might not see the results we want. We might be tending to believe, well, this doesn't work, when in fact it can, but pull it back. Start with those small things, celebrate those small successes, and keep practicing in different scenarios. I hope that this is helpful in some way to the person who asked to have that question answered, and we're going to call that one of life's answers. But 42 is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. So let's move on to a universe thing. And for that, I need to come back to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, because I myself have yet to travel the universe. Although I hear there's a lovely restaurant at the end of time and matter called Millaways, where you can get a drink called a Pan-Galactic Gargle Blaster. It's an alcoholic beverage invented by ex-president of the universe, Zaphod Beeblebrox, and it is considered by the guide to be the best drink in existence. Its effects are supposedly similar to having your brain smashed in by a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brick. If you Google this drink, Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster, you can actually find real life various recipes for it, so please get back to me if you try one. I have yet to actually do this. I can't believe I haven't. I would love to do it, but if you have tried one, or if you do because of this episode, let me know what you think. Pan-galactic gargle blaster. All in all, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy says, in the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. It also says, all you really need to know for the moment is that the universe is a lot more complicated than you might think even if you start from a position of thinking it's pretty damn complicated in the first place. So I suppose I could end things there, but I won't. The main character in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a man named Arthur. This is the guy who never could get the hang of Thursdays, you'll remember. And during his travels of the universe, he meets an old man and has this brief convo. Arthur says, all through my life, I've had this strange, unaccountable feeling that something was going on in the world, something big, even sinister, and no one would tell me what it was. No, said the old man, that's just perfectly normal paranoia. Everyone in the universe has that. And perhaps there is comfort in that thought, right? That was the end of the quote, by the way. This is me talking now. Perhaps there is comfort in that thought that everyone in the universe has that, that we aren't abnormal 
but are in fact universally normal because we're all weird. If I had to pick one thing to say that's a universal trait among humans, it's that we all feel better when we belong, when we know that we are not alone in our uniqueness. Yep, I did say that, that we're not alone in our uniqueness. I get the irony. What I mean is that as an individual, sure, we are unique, but we are all connected by the fact that we are all weird, different, unique together, even broken in some ways. And I use that term with caution because I don't believe people are broken, but I do 100% get that feeling. And I think we all feel that, and that connects us. How about a few more ridiculous quotes to cover the answer of the universe portion of this episode? Answers to the universe. I've tried to just give them to you from the, the book because I'm not sure I have them. But if I had to choose one thing as the answer to our universal woes, I would say it's laughter. Especially laughter shared with others. Because, yeah, yeah, I get it. Love, connection, all that goo. Pretty fucking universally healing, honestly. But shared laughter can bring love and connection to life. Although I should be careful about spreading that around, this idea that laughter is the answer to the universe, because The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy also says, there is a theory which states that if anyone ever actually discovers exactly what the universe is for and why it is here, it will instantly disappear and be replaced by something even more bizarre and inexplicable. There's another theory which states that this has already happened. So let's just pause here and see. Laughter is why the universe is here. Pausing, waiting. I don't know, everything seems the same to me, so I guess I didn't get it exactly right. But take what you will out of that. If you have theories on the actual reason for the universe, the answer for the universe, please get in touch. You can reach me on the socials at Kickass Life Project. And don't be scared to say your theories out loud because The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy also says the chances of finding out what's really going on in the universe are so remote. The only thing to do is hang the sense of it and keep yourself occupied. Speaking of being occupied, it is time to move on to the everything portion of this episode. We've covered life, we've covered the universe. It's time for everything. I have always wanted to make a list called Everything I needed to know about life, I learned from my horse. So this is going to be my ugly start. And a reminder that ugly starts are the only way to go. Meaning it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Starting is better than not starting for most things in life. Start ugly, but start. Now I'm going to let you know when I have enough of these everything I needed to know about life I learned from my horse ideas. I'm going to let you know when I have enough to make a whole episode. But it took deep thought. Now deep thought is the supercomputer who came up with 42 as the answer to life, the universe, and everything. It took deep thought 7.5 million years to find that epic answer. So I am not going to put pressure on myself to have my everything I learned list done by next week. But before I get to Miss Winnie and that epic list, let's look at what The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has to say about animals. Now, spoiler alert, there is a sperm whale in the movie. 
It's a sperm whale who goes through a short-lived existential crisis, and then that's about it. But there are two other animals of note in the movie, dolphins and mice. Here's a quote. On the planet Earth, man had always assumed that he was the most intelligent species occupying the planet, instead of the third most intelligent. The second most intelligent creatures were, of course, dolphins. Next quote. Man has always assumed that he is more intelligent than dolphins because he has achieved so much. The wheel, New York, wars, and so on. While all the dolphins had ever done was muck about in the water having a good time. Conversely, the dolphins had always believed that they were far more intelligent than man, for precisely the same reasons. The dolphins being the second most intelligent species on the planet Earth, humans being the third most intelligent, the most intelligent spot is occupied by mice. To quote the HGG again, These creatures you call mice, you see, they are not quite as they appear. They are merely the protrusion into our dimension of vastly hyper-intelligent pan-dimensional beings. And apparently, according to the book-slash-movie-slash-radio-show-slash-screenplay, apparently the research that we think we've done on them is actually their research about us. Perception is everything, I guess. And maybe that is one thing I've learned from Winnie. Her perception is very often different than mine, but it doesn't mean it's wrong, or at least it isn't wrong for her. See, she will get scared of rocks on the trail, like big rocks sitting there on the trail, because in the wild, her survival would depend on noticing oddly shaped things crouching in wait, and it's better to be safe than sorry. All of us have a nervous system that is working perfectly, based on the experiences we've had and the goal of continuing to exist on planet Earth. If you've got trust issues, chances are you've had some experiences where trust was shattered. Overly sensitive to other people's moods? There's a good chance someone in your childhood made being fine-tuned into the mood shifts of others a pretty cool survival trick. Your nervous system and your brain might be seeing things from a different perspective, but when you look at it from the right perspective, each of them is right. Now the same can be said about two people looking at the same thing. You've seen those pictures where you're looking at it and it could be a young woman or it could be an old woman. What you see isn't wrong, but it could be the exact opposite of what someone else is seeing. Understanding someone else's perspective or at least understanding that their different perspective might not be wrong, changes how we communicate with that person or our horse. Other things I've learned from my horse about life, patience, forgiveness, friendship, love, respect, communication, bravery, persistence, willingness to learn, that farting in public is not the end of the world. Basically, everything important. So what have we learned from this 40-second episode of randomness and nonsense glazed with something that sounds like wisdom? 42. I really wanted to put 42 quotes in here. It did not happen. And then I started thinking, maybe I'll luck out and this episode will be 42 minutes. And then I thought, 
Let's not hope and pray on unicorn lucky horseshoes for what we want. Let's fucking take control of the things that we have control over. Because sure as you can dry yourself off with a towel, there's enough in life we can't control. This episode will be 42 minutes. I did warn you that the episode would be weird and random, and as it turns out, it's absolute rubbish, but hopefully in a fun way and with some nugget of usefulness. If this is your first time listening, I will pay you double in gratitude for checking out another episode before deciding to never listen again. In 2022, this podcast was actually the number one favorite of three people, after all. It was a top 10 for 14 people. And some of them weren't even my best friend or my mother. Remember what I said earlier about celebrating the small wins? Like, those stats might seem like peanuts or no big deal. Celebrate the small wins. Most of my episodes I am truly proud of. The jury will be out on this one, but the one most of you decided was worth listening to was episode 32, Depression and Fitness. I'm not sure what that says about the state of the world, to be honest, or the state of the universe, but Depression and Fitness was my most listened to episode. I won't tell you the least listened to one, because I don't want you to check that one out again. <laughs> If you are new, welcome. If you are a returning listener, thank you for spending your time with me. I'd love to know what your favorite episode was, if you have one. Let's surge forward into more randomness and talk about how you can make 2023 epic. I believe I promised something like this near the beginning of the episode. I said if we have time, well, we are making time. So my top Five ways you can make 2023 epic. Stop letting other people's emotions affect you. Duh. Number two, always know where your towel is. Obviously. Number three, laugh. Number four, ponder the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. Maybe see if you can come up with a better answer than 42. It's going to be tough, but I think you can do it. Number five, start small and celebrate the small things. That is five. And as I was writing those, do you know what I was suddenly thinking? High fives if you were reading my mind. Let's come up with 42 ways to make 2023 epic. I'm also thinking I'm going to put these on a pretty PDF. But as always, do not go looking for the things I promise on the day the episode gets released because... <laughs> I am so not one of these organized types who plots ahead. To quote Douglas Adams, I may not have gone where I intended to go, but I think I have ended up where I needed to be. I actually really love this idea, this idea of 42 ways to make 2023 epic as like a bonus PDF download for the 42nd episode. It's better than having 42 quotes in here. Even better than potentially this episode being 42 minutes, but we are really going to go for that 42 minute mark. If you are on my email list, there is a 42% chance, maybe even less, that I will let you know once the podcast add-ons are live. <laughs> so for the, the off chance that I actually do email and tell you, head to sassysexystrong.com slash podcast 
and you can get on that email list. Honestly, I probably will email and tell you when it's out. So make sure you're on the list. And as for making 2023 epic and that 42 ways to do it, well, I will let you know that I pressed pause when I thought of this idea and I wrote out a bunch of them. I have not quite got all 42 yet, so I'm not going to read the whole list to you verbatim, but I'm going to pepper in some of the highlights here and then really give you an incentive to go and make sure you grab the download when it's available. When it is available, it'll be in the show notes, show notes, and definitely, again, if you're on my email list, I will make sure you get a copy. So another way to make 2023 epic, obviously, watch The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> make a bucket list instead of resolutions. Kind of like that one. Pick a motto. This is one of my favorites, and you will hear mine at the end of every podcast episode. If you want to know more about that one, I think episode number two tells you more about that one. Um, stand next to happy horses and breathe deeply. That one sounds wise to me and so, so true. Exercise. Obviously, I'm going to put exercise in there. And yes, I can help with that. Also, go to the website. You'll probably find something about exercise and how I can help with that. Embrace imperfection, a.k.a. be flossom. Flawed plus awesome equals flossom. Meditate. I'm putting this one on the list because everybody does. Honestly, I am not an everyday fan of meditation, but it does have some benefits and it, it honestly can't really hurt. So yeah, we'll put it on our list. Why not? I'm also going to say listen to music that moves you. Spend your creative juices. Eat foods that nourish your whole self, your emotional self, as well as your physical self. I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to say, I'm going to leave one spot as something that you put on there, your own thing. Because, and this is a real true thing, when you choose something, it's much more likely to stick. So I really encourage you to come up with at least one thing that's going to go on this list of ways to make 2023 epic. For you. So pick your own thing. Design your own life. I'm going to get serious for a moment and really take this episode somewhere you didn't see coming. I'm finishing recording after just getting back from a funeral. Funerals tend to make one reflect on what they've done and start calculating what they still have left on the bucket list versus how much time is left in the elusive time bank that we never get to see the balance for. Funerals tend to make us consider the relationships we have and how we can make them better. The ones already lost to us, the ones we'd like to mend. Heck, maybe even the ones we'd like to end. Funerals tend to lead to an audit of one's own life and because we are human, it rarely feels enough. As Douglas Adams said, isn't it enough to see that a garden is beautiful without having to believe that there are fairies at the bottom of it too. But there's always more we're reaching for, because we are human. We are designed to want more because that's what gives us the motivation to keep moving forward. Finding the balance between contentment with what is and the drive to strive to be somewhere that we aren't already, that's the real trick. 
This funeral I came from was one of a life that had been well lived, according to the person who owned it, which is about as good as we can hope for in the end. I like to do these would-you-rathers in my socials, and there's one that stands out for me. Would you rather be able to do something now that is guaranteed to have a significant positive impact on your life, or go back in time and undo something you feel had a negative impact on your life? You know, one of those things that we justify by believing words similar to these ones from Douglas Adams. A learning experience is one of those things that say, you know that thing you just did? Don't do that. He also said, you live and learn. At any rate, you live. Most people say they would choose to create something now rather than to delete something back then because the undoing could affect the things they love about now. And if that is the case for you, I say start doing those things, start experimenting, playing with those things to create positive impacts now. In the words of my son, it's a stupid question because you can always do something now to change your future. So I dare you to put that to the test. And then I guess the question becomes, would you still choose to go back and alter anything in your past if you could? Personally, I believe I would. And yes, I know it's a risk. And yeah, I know it's easy to say when the offer is completely hypothetical, but still, I think I would. And no, I'm not gonna tell you what it is that I wanna change. Anyway, funerals, they bring up big questions. As Douglas Adams famously said, I refuse to answer that question on the grounds that I don't know the answer. I wish I did. Can you imagine if there really was an answer to life, the universe and everything to those big questions that come up after we've attended a funeral? And if that answer was in this podcast episode, I assure you, it is not. I know it's not, because even if I came up with something better than 42, like 43, my answer would not be your answer. This funeral of someone who had a happy, fulfilled life, according to them, would not have been a life I'd have enjoyed. Ultimately, I think we all want a life that fulfills us, satisfies us, a life we feel blessed to have had at the end of it. But the details of that life and the paths taken to get there, they're all going to be as unique as we are. And as I said at the beginning, that makes us all the same in our uniqueness. As the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy says, this planet has, or rather had, a problem, which was this. Most of the people living on it were unhappy for pretty much much of the time. Looking forward for this podcast, I believe I'm going to focus in on that hard-to-grab-hold-of threads that create a happily even-after story. And maybe that starts with a towel. After all, a towel is essential if you want to live the rest of your life right. With a towel by your side, you can win arguments about wind speed velocity. And who knows, maybe even arguments about time travel. You can throw it around your shoulders and wear it as a superhero cape when your life has otherwise lost all meaning. You can use it as a stunningly ineffective bookmark. It's also a great conversation starter if worn as a diaper at your next party. 
And if that party you attend is for someone who is turning 42, well, your shopping is easy. Buy them a towel. I'm going to put the full useless towel uses list that I gave my brother on his 42nd birthday. I'm going to put that on the blog post that I eventually get around to writing for this podcast episode. But again, do not expect that blog post the second this episode goes live. And I'm going to end this podcast with a few more quotes from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that is strictly there, strictly going to be there to eat up my time and make this episode 42 minutes. What a way to end the year. A quote for when you are in need of a different perspective. He was constantly reminded of how startlingly different a place the world was when viewed from a point only three feet to the left. A quote for when you are having trouble working out that troublesome inconsistency in the story in your head. Solutions nearly always come from the direction you least expect, which means there's no point in trying to look in that direction, because it won't be coming from there. A quote for when you are contemplating life. He felt that his whole life was some kind of dream, and he sometimes wondered whose it was and whether they were enjoying it. A quote for when you are truly trying to understand why 42 would be the answer. I think the problem, to be quite honest with you, is that you've never actually known what the question is. And for when you are trying to say goodbye. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Or you could use God's final message to his creation. We apologize for the inconvenience. And finally, for when you are recording an episode of the Kick-Ass Life Project, and it's time for the sign-off that reminds people how sassy, sexy, and strong they truly fucking are, you're still on. Keep riding.